0: Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best founders and investors to help you scale your business from one million to one trillion. So Today's guest is Craig, the CEO of Olibov. Craig, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's, it's a pleasure, uh, for the ones who didn't have yet the, the, the honor to get to know you, uh, let us know a bit more about your background and how it all started and uh, how did you end up starting OliPov? Uh, yeah, good, good question. Um, I
1: guess... So, for, for a bit of background, we, we started Holly Bob straight straight out of uh, university. So, oh. uh, or, or we started kind of uh, a co- a company straight out of university, and, and then went on to start Holly Bob. So, our, our kind of uh, journey since leaving Glasgow Uni has been kind of in the startup startup entrepreneurship space. So, uh, there's not not an awful lot of history history before before kind of. Uh, being in entrepreneurship to, to speak of but i guess kind of backgrounds went to went to glasgow glasgow university in in yeah. scotland which is a lot of good a lot of fun uh then kind of went on and started a skiing business uh called whiteout ski which was which was great fun kind of targeting 18 to 30 year olds who were looking to go on on kind of great hopefully good fun skiing holidays and then uh we, we moved into a business called Hundred Hour Holidays, and then onto and then onto on Holly Bob. So that's kind of the, the, I guess, the snapshot. There's uh, sadly not much more history other, other than that.
0: Sounds great. So, and, and you had this first experience, entrepreneurial experience with uh, this white out ski or the the ski adventures from 2018 to 2020, and yep. uh, and you start Holly Bob uh, in 2019. So the first one also influenced. Uh, why you decided to move forward with uh, Holly Bob, right in a certain way yeah yeah for sure so um Ho- hollybobs in the, the kind of travel or experiences
1: space and uh, yeah. and so was so was whiteout whiteout ski I, so we we started we started whiteout um after angus and i so angus is uh, our like co- my, my co-founder um we basically went on the university ski trip every year um i okay. used to go to the south of france to, to the alps to go skiing and it, and every year we had to get a 30-hour coach journey so on a, on a bus from glasgow to the south of france which uh you know when you're when you're 18 is a lot of fun but it kind of takes its toll after uh, after a few years so in our fourth year university we decided to organize a ski trip for for 42 of our friends where we flew everyone to to Geneva and we went skiing and we we stayed in a chalet hotel rather than in a in a set of apartments uh so it was kind of trying to be a slightly more upmarket skiing uh, experience Uh compared to the university ski trip Uh, and and on the back of that running that ski trip with our 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 friends we basically had a lot of people coming and asking us can you help us organize our ski trips um so we kind of did that the summer the summer after we left university uh ended up selling you know a couple hundred thousand pounds worth of ski trips just to friend, friends of friends nice uh, and, and that was that was our that was our kind of start in the in the travel industry so it was a, it was a, a very steep learning curve in terms of trying to figure out what what was what and trying to organize these ski trips but that kind of got us started in the in the travel space and then we kind of went on to move into holly Bob, which is much more of a travel tech travel tech play
0: right and, and tell us, what does uh, Hollibob in, in more detail within the travel tech sector?
1: Yeah, for sure. So we call Holly Bob an e-commerce engine for experiences. Um, we're basically trying to build technology which connects people or consumers to incredible things to do. Um, for people that don't know, the when I talk about experiences, I, right. I mean wine tastings, walking tours, bike tours, you oh. know, Eiffel Tower tickets. So it's anything that fits into like a day or a half day that you would do. You know, you could do it at home, but like we we mainly target kind of people when they're they're on holiday or when they're traveling. Um, and in the sector, uh, about eighty percent of bookings are done offline. So if you compare that to say flights or hotels, where eighty percent of bookings are done online, the experiences <laughs> mark is kind of way way behind in terms of it's the digitization of of booking um and what we're trying to do is we're trying to help consumers to to find incredible things to do uh, and book those things to do um but rather than kind of people might have heard of get your guide or viator or or those kind of big consumer facing brands holly bob's a b2b business so we sit behind other consumer facing travel businesses or destinations or experience operators and we help them um to enable their consumers to find I- incredible things to do. And it's really premised about, you know, using data and kind of understanding who the consumer is and then thinking mm-hmm. and using kind of the data models that we've built to put the right product in front of the right customer at the right time. Um, and really focusing on how do we create convenience for the consumer when they're, they're on holiday and they're, they're thinking about how can they spend, how can they best spend that time when they're on holiday and what kind of incredible things do they want to do when they're in that destination? right makes a
0: lot of sense and and how the how the business model works uh Craig there so you were saying that you sell to uh, travel agents or uh, B2C portals who, yeah. who have experiences and you help them optimize uh, the way they reach out to to their customers right
1: yeah. So we, we have a, a kind of hybrid subscription with transactional model. Okay. Obviously, um, the the exciting thing about travel is just the scale of the market. Um, you know, travel yeah. accounts for around 10% of global GDP. So, you know, it's a massive, wow. massive market that, that kind of yeah. uh, is obviously... Naturally, or a global in its nature, obviously. Um, but what we kind of do is we have like a subscription which says you know you, you get access to the technology, but your those are relatively low. But what we kind of say is that we take a transaction fee, so that you know your success is our success. The more transactions that we can drive for you, and that, and therefore your consumers, you know we we all tap into that success through through those kind of commissions or transaction fees.
0: And this is kind of the transaction fees is fixed or it is variable uh according to to the customer or to the quantity of um of, of customers or experiences that you that you sell right all of all of the above is yeah i think there's yeah. we we basically have a, a kind of a baseline
1: commission or, or transaction fee that we take and it's generally a percentage yeah. of the the total transaction value um, but that can be, you know, there's things like override commissions and various different kind of mechanisms that we use in in negotiations to to make that the okay. deals that much more uh, attractive okay. to our partners. It's almost
0: a, a tailor made uh, package, not not something that you have uh, on the website, uh, static and uh, and it's always the yeah. same. Right? For sure. Okay. For sure. Sounds great, and and tell us a, a, a bit more about the journey. So, uh, according to your LinkedIn, you started in May of uh, 2019. We are recording this on, on 24th of May, but this will just be released in June. So it, it is four years. Congratulations uh, of yeah. uh, survived. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and last round that you raised was uh, twelve mil, twelve million uh, Series A. If I'm if I'm not wrong. Walk us through the different stages of the company in the last uh, four weeks, a bit uh, on on the journey, also kind of combining it with the with the fundraising milestones.
1: Yeah, um, so the the business was in th- in theory incorporated in in May. Uh, it's actually the thirty first of May, so I think LinkedIn is slightly slightly off, but it is, so it's, so it's coming up for, as you said, for our fourth, our fourth birthday, but we didn't really start building any technology until, uh, kind of October of 2019. Um, and okay. Angus and I are, are, both not technical. So it, it was kind of, you know, we, okay. we were just trying to figure out, figure out like out what we were going to do. And at that point we were, we were kind of focusing on a business called hundred hour holidays, which was looking at, it was a B2C business looking at mm-hmm. how do you create, uh, packages of flights and hotels and experiences that fit into hundred hours. So, um, it was quite, it was quite a very good concept. I, and I still think someone, someone needs to come along and make a hundred hour holidays. Uh, <laughs> so if, if there's anyone, anyone out there that's listening to this, is looking for a new business idea. I think hundred hour holidays would be, is a great one. How can you fit incredible experiences into a hundred, into a hundred hours? But we, we basically kind of realized that the B2C space and travel is really difficult and really competitive because you're all, ultimately you're buying consumers from Google or, or via paid, paid search, which the acquisition cost of those consumers is relatively high. We had very little money. Uh, and kind of we, look, we then started looking at, you know, how could we move into uh, a more sustainable model or how could we, you know, find consumers who uh, with different brands? And, and basically that's where, what Holly Bob uh, kind of lent, lent sure. into. We started looking at how could we work with other consumer-facing travel businesses like Secret Escapes or you know EasyJet Holidays or any of those brands to kind of work with them to enable their consumers to at that time to find hundred-hour holidays. So bringing those like kind of hundred-hour holidays that we curated. Um, but what we very quickly realized that actually you know these consumer-facing businesses had a much bigger problem in the single half-day experiences space. You know, they say there's roughly a one and a half million uh, operators of experiences around the world. So it's a really fragmented space, and it's very difficult to kind of get access to all that inventory. and And a lot of the businesses mm-hmm. we spoke to were asking us, you know, can you help us get access to this this content? So we we kind of pivoted from 100 hour holidays, which was in that uh, you know that multi day you know, three or four day space into uh, Holly Bob, which was B2B and single half day. So that was kind of quite a big transformational change right. or shift. So we, we started building technology in October, 2019. Um, we went live with our first customer. It was Secret Escapes in um, mm-hmm. February of 2020, which if your memory, right. serves, if your memory <laughs> well. serves you, uh, you I, I'm smiling
0: now because you are alive and you have Yeah, uh, exactly. Private, alive alive so congratulations came. for that but yes what an unfortunate moment to to start the company in travel tech yeah yeah Yeah, no no not not
1: not great um so i think we sold about you know 20 things or 20 bookings in the first like two weeks uh, all of which were cancelled and then lockdown 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 hit and we basically didn't sell we didn't sell anything uh or any any real experiences for the first the first two years almost of of the business so Um, but I, but I think kind of what we were able to do is that through that period, we were, we, we were able to like really think about the business, really think about the market, really think about the problem that we're trying to solve and also speak to a lot of people. Like the thing was that in travel, quite a lot of people had time, like a lot of executives and a lot of, you know, they, they had a chance to, to kind of think about their business and think about what the direction of their business was going to be. And us being in the B2B space, it gave us that opportunity to kind of validate, um, the, the opportunity and really think about how we wanted to solve solve that problem. So, so we that, the pandemic, in some ways, I think we're going to look back on it as a quite a defining, quite a defining moment of Holly right. Bob's Hollybob's journey. But no, no doubt it was kind of fairly stressful, fairly stressful at the time. Um yeah. and kind of through the pandemic, we managed to raise just shy of a, a million, a million pounds um, from kind of family and friends uh, and kind of a single fam- family office um and that so was kind in of in 2020, 2020 or 2021 or... uh yeah so late 2020 we raised an, an original like really early seed seed or pre-seed round pre-seed and then round. Yeah. um later in i think early 2021 we managed to raise another sort of 800,000 on on top of that which gave us kind of the the runway to to well to build the business to actually kind of get some additional people into the business and kind of move move on from there um so kind of we, we got to the end of the pandemic or towards the end of the pandemic and, and we picked up some new clients and then we were able to raise an additional 2.5 million pound rounds um mm-hmm. and then kind of we we then began to see the business scale through 2022 so we did about seven X growth last year and we're on to do about six wow. or seven X growth again this year, oh, uh, know, growth, growth, growth from a low base is, is kind of, you know, it's easy to get, it's easy to get multiples <laughs> of growth when you're starting
0: from a low but base.
1: Still. Yeah, exactly. It's still, it's still good. I, I mean, so in, uh,
0: in the second year, right? So in the second year, even if it, it was a small uh, baseline the second year, it's, to to six seven x, uh, it becomes a little bit more difficult than the first year. Right? Yeah, who so are second?
1: Uh, yeah, we're so we're, we're on track to do that this year, which is which is good, and we've kind of seen a good start to the start to the year the year anyway. Um. Although- scarily we're now almost halfway halfway through the the year which is which is crazy um uh, but yeah we and and then kind of in june july of last year we we raised our series a which was which was 12 billion 12 million dollars
0: yeah super well done and uh so you said in the beginning it was all about finding your space right uh, the typical product market fit uh search mold and so when, when did you feel that you you found product market fit and now it's it's all about scaling up or, or did you already feel that you have a strong product market fit today or you still need to to, to do some more experimentations before being ready to to scale i mean if I, if i if i'm honest i think we we we
1: still we still have we're leaving a lot of opportunity uh, you know, on the, on the table, I think we're, I think we've not got the product to a place that we're happy with it. And we're actually, you know, solving the, 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 the true problem of how to get the right experience in front of the right customer at the right time. And I think there's a lot of kind of iteration, uh, an innovation that needs to go on in order to enable us to do that, you know, doing it from one customer, one British customer who's flying to Barcelona is one thing, but doing for it for a Chinese traveler who's going to New York or a right. Mexican traveler who's going to Los Angeles, you know, this is a is a very difficult problem to try and to try and solve. So, uh, you know, I, I think we've got product market fit in this. I think I'd say we've got commercial market fit in that, you know, people okay. uh, really like what, what we're offering. And, and I think we, we've been able to demonstrate um, in the different kind of verticals that we work in in terms of with destinations with operators of experiences and with online travel providers or otas that the product is there's definitely demand from the product and i think we've been able to generate or demonstrate kind of very positive early signs and we've been able to scale very very quickly on the back of that but i think ultimately uh for me there's a huge amount for years worth of worth of kind of iteration and i'm sure that's the same for everyone in terms of you know you're never you're never done and and you can you always want to do more but I think we're, there's still elements where you look at it and you go, okay, we've not really nailed the product to the, to the extent that we that we want to. But I think we've got, I'd say, able to sell it into, into businesses or into the, the businesses that we're trying to work with. But I think
0: there's a lot more iteration that needs to happen. Sounds, sounds great and uh, thanks for being Emble, Uh there it's, it's it's easy to come on these shows and say ah we have all figured it out and uh, and we are just scaling like crazy and uh, yeah and, and we know I will get to 5 10 and 100 million uh, in the in the next five years <laughs> so. are the, I think one of the interesting things about you know we, we started
1: Bob when we were like 23 or, I don't know 24 like you, you don't know anything. Uh, you know nothing. You literally know nothing about, you know, how to run a business, how to, you know, how to scale, how to raise money. And I think the thing is knowing not coming into it knowing nothing is actually quite a good position to be in because actually then you come into it with no like preconceptions. Yeah, you're just you're just hungry to learn and you're a sponge for a sponge for knowledge. And I think that Correct. you know still still today we try to try be sponges for knowledge and try to learn and listen. To as many yeah. people as you can and try then. T- you know you can't listen to everyone all the time but you, i think trying to uh, uh listen intently you've got two ears and one mouth kind of thing is quite a right. good quite a good turn of phrase
0: you were talking about different countries uh craig did you have any kind of focus uh, around the uk and europe or the us um so are, are you going global from day one so how has been your thoughts on your international expansion uh strategy so i think there's two sides to that i think there's the you know in uh,
1: the companies that we work with and then there's there's like our our, our company and uh, and kind of uh right like how Understood. we're building yeah. the internal the, inter- the, the internal teams because so you know uh, travel in his nature is, is global. Like our first partner, Secret Escapes, sends customers to every corner of the world from, from Mexico to to Lanzarote God. to, to Af- you know, cetera, Africa. So you then automatically, in order to serve the needs of their consumers, you need to start yep. building a global, a global supply chain or a global supply base so that you can then serve the needs of those consumers. So, you know, the business is uh, inherently kind of global and we we always built the platform out with the vision of it being you know the go-to experience e-commerce yeah. engine for experiences globally it wasn't designed to be the e-commerce engine right. for experiences in the UK or in Europe it was it was designed right. it was designed to serve the needs of um of global businesses and, and and the travel industry more more generally um in terms of you know our, our expansion we started in the uk like we were all we we obviously kind of angus and i are based in based in london and mm-hmm. uh, we built the team out kind of in the uk we we were always remote first so like mm-hmm. our cto is based in edinburgh for example you know our chief architects in in brighton which is on the south coast angus and i right. were were in london so we were never we were never kind of limited to one to one spot as a as a business and i think that's kind of become part of the dna of, of holly bob um and then april last year we we acquired another business called called tourism solved and, and their team was mainly right. based in the mainly based in the us so you know we've now got people on the west coast of the us we've got people in chicago we've got people in london we've got people across europe and we've actually now got one of our our, a couple of our employees in in new zealand so it's like truly across across time zones but travels a 24 hour a day seven day a week um right industry so it, it's it part sense. of the DNA of the business, but it's part of you know it comes with its challenges, but it's it's what we kind of need
0: to do. Yeah. And at the beginning, you were saying, Craig, that um, uh, your co-founder is not a technical co-founder. So, what is what what is the background of your what is the role in the company of, of your co-founder? Yeah. So he's the uh, the numbers
1: the numbers guy. He's the CFO. So he CFO. kind of uh, okay. it, it, interestingly in travel, like you. you Think about you know we sell into the U.S. and we take in U.S. dollars and then we pay out to our suppliers in like any other any currency around the world and in in some inst- in some instances you can be paying out to kind of you know, in euros or right. in Singaporean dollars depending on where where the supplier where the supplier is and I think. Uh, so, so basically, that arbitrage or that treasury function is super, super complicated. So, having Angus there as a, as a kind of as right. a CFO figure has been very, very valuable for for us.
0: And uh, how has been the experience with the fact? And uh, of course, I need to tap here for other founding teams, starting the company without having a, you know, a, a CTO. A technical co-founder uh, in in the team. So, did you hire? When did you hire the the CTO? Or did you have any kind of freelance? How were you able to develop the product in in the first years of the company before having the opportunity to bring the the CTO full time?
1: yeah i mean i kind of hope our cto doesn't listen listen to this i mean we yeah we we graham who's who's our 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 cto um and still our cto today we we met him or angus met him at a networking event in edinburgh like literally grabbing pizza from, from from the pizza stand and kind of got chatting to him at that point about 100 hour holidays um, and we were, we were basically about to spend, I think it was like 10,000 pounds on a, on a, on a project with, uh, you know, an outsourced kind of dev house to come up with this NVP. Okay. And, and he basically, Graham basically said, that's a terrible idea. You're not going to get what you want. Like, I, I'll try and right. help you like at least like define the requirements of, of what, what you need from this, this, this kind of dev, dev shop and, uh. We basically kept going back to Graham, asking for more advice, asking for more advice, oh. asking for more advice, and uh, over kind of the period of six months, we we wore him down, and he said, "Okay, right, forget it. I'll build the first version of it with, with a friend, <laughs> with, a, with a with a friend, with a friend of his." He um, was and well,
0: then.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we have we we have to thank thank Graham for a lot, uh, I, I think. And yeah. um, but yeah, we kind of we got him to build like the M- MVP, and then you know. Oh, we need this. Or, or if we're, we're going to fundraise, we need that. Or, or we kind of, you know, right. you know how it goes. And uh, and it was, yeah, very resourceful. Kind of, you know, beg, beg, borrow, and steal as much as you can to kind of get get from zero to zero point one, I guess. Um, and then we managed to raise some cash and uh, and kind of
0: uh, bring very him. little
1: cash, but we, we we managed to bring bring him in. Um, and uh, yeah kind of convinced him that this idea was worth <laughs> worth investing his time which is obviously the most valuable valuable asset uh, asset of all and then you know we, we managed to kind of move through the funding rounds and then and then bring him on kind of completely and pay him properly and and everything else right. so uh we we were very fortunate it's not i think it's very difficult when you don't have a technical co-founder because you don't know right. what you don't know like it's very easy right. for people to pull the wool over your eyes. And, and, you know, now looking back, you know, having been in this for four years, I can, I can talk about tech, you know, you can kind of understand what people are talking about when they, when they're talking in in tech speak. And yeah, you can tell them to dumb it down as much as they or the engineers to dumb it down as much as they can for you. You still need to understand like the basics and back then right. we didn't understand the basics at, at all. So it's super super, dif- I think it is really difficult if you don't have a technical co-founder to to right. figure your way through it, especially if you've had no exposure to tech tech before. So
0: yeah. Um, yeah, it's not easy. But you kind of had him as a early key employee and kind of a extended uh, founding team, right? So which was a, yeah. a great solution uh, sure. to have. So you talk that nowadays, you guys started remotely from day one in, in the UK, then with the acquisition in the US, you also have people in the US, recently in, in New Zealand, and it makes all sense because that's a, a global uh, company with a global operation. So you need to be able to to manage the 24-7, 365 uh, days per, per year. So what has been... Your lessons learned uh, working as a remote uh, first company in terms of hiring, communication, problem solving, culture. Um, so some of some of your lessons and your experience so far. I'm sure that you are still figuring out how to make Bigger, it better yeah. and better. Yeah. But uh, the same happens with the ones who are in person and in the office, right? So they are not yeah. not they are not all um, figured out uh, for for any team. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. There's, there's a there's a there's
1: a lot there's a lot in it i mean we well i like to think that we have a, a very good culture at holly bob kind of based around authenticity best in class and and camaraderie uh, and we try to keep it super simple around those values and uh and we try we try to create it, keep, make it simple so that people could live those values. And I think we talk about them a lot as like core, core to why the business is the way it is. And we want to create an environment where people enjoy turning up to work every day with a smile on their face, because I think that there's so much more, people are so much more productive when they enjoy the environment that they're in. And I think that that kind of, um is the same in an office as it is kind of if you're remote but yeah. you've got to then I think put a lot more effort into making that happen when it's remote because it's very easy for people to become isolated for people to you know um right get lost get you know be forgotten about in a remote environment because you don't see them every day so it's the small things it's like you know it, 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 it's if someone seems down on a call like encouraging people to give them a call and ask oh how are you like if you got out of a meeting in an office you would have the general chit chat of you know how, how are the kids etc cetera, etc cetera, et cetera. but you don't do that like when you're remote because you don't it, It's it becomes very transactional so trying to encourage people to you know Behave in a, a empathetic, kind of cautious, kind way when when we're remote, as you would when you're in an office. I think it's massive. Um, and then really leaning into leaning into cultures so like camaraderie is a massive part of like what we try to of the environment that we try to create. It's, you know, it's not just a collection of colleges, like a community of people. So you know, we're, we have like like minded, or, or we're interested in each other, and we want to ask questions. So we do, you know, coffee chats twice a week so well we they're kind of every second week rotating between morning and afternoon so that the uk can mix with the us and the us can mix with the uk so you right. kind of you become inclusive of everyone but those coffee chats the only rule is that you can't talk about work and it's half an hour where the entire business stops they join the, they join the call you split people out into breakout rooms of three and then they just you know you, you just chat about anything other than work so you've got like you know, engineers chatting to me, or or chatting mm-hmm. to like you know a supply account manager, or you know the head of sales talking to whoever. It's just like that inter nice. intermingling. So you know things like that 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 are kind of quite valuable, I think, because it, it just just creates the it, it just demonstrates you want to create that environment, and I think it gives that gives people a place to place to chat. And we've got things like now in the company, we've got a, a walking company petition going on and and it seems really like Mm -hmm. cringeworthy to say it's like oh what like does anyone really want to do that? But it's about, you know, we have broken people into like 10 teams of, of mm-hmm. six, I think they are, and everyone's like trying to do more than seven and a half thousand steps a day. And, and there's this like sense of competition going on internally. But you Absolutely. you do those kind of things, those things in an office as well, but it's like, why would you not try and do them in a remote environment? So I think there's right. stuff around camaraderie and trying to, you know, you have to be proactive with how to create that kind of environment. And then the final thing, and I think is so important with, with being bro- it's just communication and and like over communicating um is key because right it's very easy for people to get like zoom fatigue or or video chat Mm -hmm. fatigue where you just you switch off and you don't listen people are listening it's not their fault it's like you know it's very difficult when you're not face to face to to really understand like the emotions or the reactions of people uh, as you would in a a room so i think trying to over communicate and, and be proactive with communication is really key and one thing that we've found and we're really like Trying to trying to kind of get right now is around async, and uh, and trying to get people to write more, and document more, and share and. Um, mm-hmm kind of offline as much as they are just like sitting on calls because on calls you know once that conversation's happened it's you know it's in the past it's it's history and if there's no documentation of like the decisions or of like the right. d- discussion that was happened then then it's kind of it's just it's just lost so I think what we're really trying to do and, and is comes with being remote across loads of time zones is you've got to get really disciplined around written communications and communicating effectively in writing so that the team, yeah. um, the they things in communication doesn't just get
0: lost into into history, right? And in terms of the size of the team, uh, how many are you at at, at this time, uh, Craig? So
1: we're about seventy, about seventy people now.
0: Seventy, got it. So it's it's already uh, the moment that you you start breaking a bit, and you you start needing almost kind of a, a second layer uh, of management, maybe closer to an Android, but you. You are in the equilibrium before starting to to break in terms of organizational uh, structure and communication point of view. And how often do you do you have the coffee groups of, uh, of free? So every every
1: week, so we do every week. Um, yeah, so every, so every Thursday in the I think it's rotating, so it's one morning and then one afternoon so it's like week on week off. because we've got the New Zealand side of things right. as well that need to kind of fit and in, fit into that
0: makes a lot of sense. And I like your point that um, remote first helps you to, um, to have a, a discipline early on that helps you to, to scale. So, um, and also sometimes, especially when you open a new office, because you are expanding to a new market, uh, then it becomes a little bit kind of the headquarters and the second office. And people are not all at the same level. In this case, remotely, everyone is on uh, at the same level right so especially i think that what makes the remote or the hybrid model so difficult is that you have people that are kind of in the headquarters in the office and people that are outside the office and remote and and then uh, then they don't have the same power uh, in the decision process
1: yeah I, well i've never been i've never been in that environment right. so I, I find it difficult to kind of say you know that hybrid but i think i think you can understand how it's difficult if you've got some people going for drinks in a third on a thursday evening and then you've got you know others who are remote but, so can't get involved you end up and up with a kind of uh a, a, like a, a yeah a mix and match between the two and I think that that becomes difficult because people don't feel like they're being included or they're involved and you know communications don't just happen one way or another so I imagine that hybrid environment is super difficult but what we've had to do is kind of try and from day one make the remote environment part of everything and uh, and that is communications that's documentation that's like the tools you yeah. use, et cetera, et cetera, so that you know it becomes very natural to the the company. I would add that we've not got this figured out. We're still trying lots of different things, and right. we still think that we're not doing a very good job in terms of communicating strategy effectively and getting mm-hmm. everyone to understand kind of what the strategy is and what direction the company should be going and how today affect how you're what. The team are doing today affects tomorrow so like there's lots of things that we're track we're working on and we're trying to get right because we think we're not doing a particularly good job of them but be i think being remote encourages you to be proactive and, and it means it, it, you can't be lazy with that stuff because it is it, the, the impact is massive if
0: you if you kind of don't get it right You just nailed one of my uh, passions, uh, how to communicate strategy and uh, and nowadays how to communicate strategy in a a remote-first environment and having everyone on the same page and feeling part of the of the vision of the company, that's something that I love. But uh, in terms of hiring, uh, we know this is a very important muscle for any company that is scaling, and uh, we know how important it is to hire right the first 10 employees and and the first 100. Uh, Other people would even add that. Um, So any any lessons learned in in that chapter, uh, especially making it in a remote-first environment, do you have any policy around meeting in person uh, once before hiring uh, new talent, or you really take the shot uh, in totally remotely? No, so we take the
1: decisions totally, totally remotely. Um, I, I think, for me, it's leaning into like who the people are rather than like what their qualifications are Uh, i i i have a i basically have a cadence where i speak to like two or three members of the team for half an hour like uh two or three members of the team every week for half an hour so like you know just i just have a rolling you know cadence of chatting to different people in the team and i was having a conversation with one of our members of production yesterday and she said i was like you know how have you she's been here for five months and she said People are all really kind, and they're all you know really welcoming and really like want to help you to succeed. And I think that comes down to like the type of people that you you look to hire. and we call everyone internally hollybobbers. And I think that it's mm-hmm. kind of a, it's almost a it's kind of a way of a way of being and trying to find that in people, I think is really important around, you know, do they have the right? work ethic and do they have the right kind of approach to life almost as opposed to getting mm-hmm. you know really binary around what they've done previously or, or you know any of what their scores might be on some some tests so uh, because i think that like culture is so valuable and like, if you get the right people then they can be so powerful, even if they don't have the experience because they're hungry to learn, they they want to make an impact. So I think kind of always what I tried to do when I was hiring and, and I try I stay try and stay relatively involved in the hiring process although you can't be like on top, I don't, I've heard people, other people and other founders say that they interview every single person that joins the company. I, I kind of don't right. do that and have decided, I've decided not to do that and kind of trust trust the, the team slightly more to make those or like my team to kind of make those decisions. Um, but I think what I always encourage is like, are they the right type of person to fit in here and have a net positive impact on the business as opposed to just kind of being being another right. employee? So um, it's not very good advice. I think, And I think it's kind of very, diff- it's, that's very un, uh, intangible, but I think it, it is really important, especially in a remote environment is getting the right type
0: of people. Absolutely. And in terms of your leadership team, uh, Craig, how, how is it structured in terms of, do you have kind of, do you have the your co-founder CFO? Uh, do you have a commercial person, uh, products that you have the CTO, you already um, talked about him and how important it was in the beginning of the company. So how, how are you structured in terms of your leadership team?
1: Yes, we've got, um, we kind of strangely got a senior management team, which is like the highest level, and then okay. we've got a senior leadership team. Although we were thinking about changing that because the thought was that that's the wrong the wrong way around. So on, on our on our management team, we've got myself uh, CFO, CTO, our, our COO, um, so okay. heading operations. Um, under our COO, we've got commercial, and we've got supply, and we've got production. Um, Interesting. And then so. <laughs> uh, and mainly because she's hugely experienced in terms of the industry and it has been around, she's been working in tourism experiences for like 15 years, so it's a huge amount of experience Amazing. in terms of understanding the way the market works. Um, yeah, and then we've got our chief brand and strategy officer who's part of our senior management team. Um, and Michael. Michael was kind of uh, ex-CMO at StubHub. So he's kind of got a huge amount of experience in terms of like scaling businesses. So he's kind of a very good voice in terms of plotting, you know, where to say the business, what the the kind of brand positioning needs to be, but also kind of how does that strategy, how does the strategy of where we want to go kind of Mm -hmm. uh, fit in and how is it communicated? And I think that's been hugely valuable. And then underneath that, we've got kind of senior senior leadership team, which is uh, another... five people on top of on top of that Um, Mm -hmm. so that brings in kind of you know the heads of supply the head of commercial the actually vp sorry should i say vp of supply vp of commercial um vp of people like that is a broader kind of leadership leadership group
0: but so you have kind of the C level and then the the VP level, uh, yeah. The senior management team and this and the senior uh, leadership team. That usually it's kind of <laughs> the opposite as you said. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But we so got, we got might, to understand the,
1: your model. Yes. So it. But I, th- I think it's kind interesting. Uh, and one of the things you, if you look at Holy bulb I think compared to our peers, is we're quite top heavy in terms of um, experience uh, in the at. Or, our SMT senior management team and senior leadership team yeah. um uh, and I don't really know why it is but it's been a massively defining kind of factor of, of Holly Bob is having that kind of uh experience in the industry it's super and, important. You know, I was yeah. I was reading like a bunch of materials that we probably hired more senior people than we sh- we should have at, at every stage like we we mm-hmm. And, and that was partly through the acquisition of Tourism Solve where we brought in a, a number of people and, and that brought in that seniority but it's been hugely kind of um, beneficial for us as we went from sort of 25 to 60, 70 people and, and now we have a very good foundation for kind of continuing to scale from, from here rather than having to bring in that uh, another kind of management right. layer we've got kind of those layers fairly well established at, at this point yeah. so um, and I think it's important, again, in remote environments where mm-hmm. uh, people, it's very, I think it's very difficult with, with like true juniors and, and their kind of first jobs to bring people right. into start small startups. But right. You need to like be a self-starter. You need to be able to get your teeth into things and move things forward. You can't have someone looking over your shoulder all, all the time to exactly. to kind of support so i think i think bringing in that kind of senior group early and remote is really important as as well because yeah. it means that you've got more of the infrastructure to then bring in more junior yeah. junior team members i would say that we're still not at the stage where we're bringing in like you know tens or twenties or thirties of kind of the, the more junior team members but we're kind of moving towards that and because we have that leadership group in in
0: place i think it's mm-hmm. it's going to be hopefully it's a, a slightly
1: smoother a smoother transition
0: right that's a wise point that you just made, and it's it also helps to to be ready f- to scale um, with with the right leadership team uh, in place. That helps a lot, especially in a remote-first uh, environment, where when things are not going according to to the plan it's it's much more difficult to to communicate in a certain way because people are not in the room they are not able to see each other so when there are fear uh in the air people are are not be able are not able to to see each other right so in that sense having more senior people that create more confidence and more trust for for the team uh, helps a lot to to go through those ups and downs that happen in any startup and scale up several several times yeah. in different stages. Yeah, so I can, can couldn't agree more. Although, you know, you've got to say that
1: we've been very lucky to be able to hire those people uh, and be able to lots of founders don't have the capital or, you know, you don't have the ability true, to, as well. to yeah. hire, hire those more senior people. But I think then, but like, I think that always comes back to, I think there's a massive part of like vision and people want to buy into like the why that they join companies and, and senior, right. I think senior people, uh, you know it's not just senior people it's everyone that joins joins a company like wants yeah. to understand like well, where is the company going and why should i be involved and i think you can do like a lot of funky things around salaries and and tiering and options and all the rest of it like kind of use your use your imagination in some ways and and you That's know true. if you if you kind of find someone that you you want to hire like tell them why you want to hire them to sell them the dream that should like i think that's kind of your job as a founder is to kind of keep selling selling the dream i mean don't want to say fake it it. it's not yeah exactly it's not that as we discussed but there is a bit like yeah keep aim big dream 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 big and give it absolutely give it a shot the worst the worst that they can say is no like and that
0: yeah. The, what's, what's, that's, that's the worst that's they, the worst they, they share happen. some interesting insights with you anyway even if they don't join right so yeah free consultancy
1: exactly get, get yeah. as much for free as you possibly can at every <laughs> at every,
0: at every stage that's a good, good bit of advice so time is flying. Before getting to the last segment of the show, Craig, I, I just wanted to pick your brain on, on your first acquisition in the US because usually uh, it's we are seeing more and more companies going through M&A a little bit earlier than in the past. So I would say acquisitions will only come in the past uh, post-Series C, uh, in some cases post-Series B. So did you do the first acquisition after Series A or before uh, Series A? Uh, kind of a kind of in tandem
1: it was only the same at okay. the same time I mean we kind of needed the capital but you needed the capital G. from
0: series A, so it was almost yeah, post yeah. series A. okay so okay yeah got it exactly exactly so how, how did you any any advice for other founders that are at similar stages uh around uh, doing an acquisition MA? what did you consider it was something that you always had in mind or it was an opportunity uh, that popped up uh, and you reacted to that opportunity and found it was a good steal to help the company to grow. So any insights there for for other founders that are going through the same thought process? Yeah, I I think at at this stage, the people are like
1: so important. I mean, you know, it's ultimately, I mean, maybe in very few cases you're you're buying some technology, but I th- I think those to com- start combining tech stacks this early on is is a recipe for disaster. Like what? tech resources is so expensive and uh, and uh, so valuable to be distracting them to do some kind of like merging of tech stacks or anything like that. So realistically, you're, you're hiring the people. Uh, and they're going to become a huge part of your company because ultimately, you know, Tourism Sol's management team have become the management team of Holy Bob Like, you know, they are, uh, two of them are my direct reports and then two of them, Graham and Angus, who were my CTO and CFO were there before, but Robin and Michael, your CEO and the chief brand and strategy, like they were from Tourism souls. So it's all about the people and kind of, so it's my, my advice would be, have a few drinks with them if not if not a lot of drinks with them (laughs) like to to try and figure out as much about their personalities and and and, you know if you guys get if like the the groups gel and get on you know it's not probably the most technical piece of advice all of all all time around m&a but uh, you know do whatever you need to do to get comfortable with them as as people because they're going to become a huge part of your your life um and your and your company. So you need to figure out if you're going to, you're going to be able to get on for, for a very long period of time. Um, Because series A is ultimately so early in the, like a life cycle of a company, you know, if you're at C, do you think you kind of think series A is, you know, you've you've yeah. made it if you're kind of a series uh, maybe, a you realize that actually it's kind of series series b and series c you made it but
0: i think at every stage you you think that the company is still pretty pretty early maybe this is a good question what is, what was the size of the company in terms of uh account, whatever you you can share and uh how large were you guys when when you uh, acquired the company so we were about 14 people or 15
1: people and they were okay. like or maybe maybe slightly more. We were maybe like about twenty, and they were like eight, eight or nine. So okay. it was so you know it, it, it was acquiring. Really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really, really early. But I think it's been again coming back to things of like well, I mean, you, but it was for the people
0: this. and also for the fact that they were located in the US as well, or nothing. It was really an opportunity in terms of acquire higher, um, more than. Than kind of presence in the us
1: yeah a- at Cohire and i mean the opportunity popped up we didn't go searching for it, i would say like we, we were we were going to work together right. as as companies like hopefully at part we were partnering anyway and okay. then the that conversations the yeah, yeah the conversations that we had like it transpired that kind of the way that we saw the industry and the way that we we saw the the way the industry was going to go were very aligned um, in those conversations that we had. And it it was super high level. And I think that's another thing to highlight is that your visions have got to be aligned around how you see the world and how you, where you see the company going. And you, because you can't bring in a group of eight people into a group of 20 and go like, right, no, your ideas are terrible. We're just going to do our Like this it's not, it's never going to, it's never going to work. So I think it has got to be like, You know, it's like a match made in heaven, but it's got, you've got to kind of have that alignment and spend a bit of time talking about that alignment. So, you know, we, we locked ourselves in a room in in New York for three days, like the man, like both management teams. And we just talked about kind of what we saw kind of happening and tried to write down and whiteboard and ideate around where the company would go and, and and share a bit about how we, what we were doing with Holly Bob and what they were doing with Tourism Solved and, and to try and figure out if it, if it made, if it made sense. So, yeah. so, yeah, I think that that's kind of the two key bits advice to get the people and and really talk about the vision because they're the things that are tangible at that point there's there's very little there's no, there's no data you can really dive into to understand the kind of inner workings of their company It's
0: much more about yeah. it's much higher level than that and and the CEO of that company became one of the members of your leadership team, or yeah okay yeah. so
1: Robin, who was the CEO. E of, of tourism solves is now the CEO of volleyball.
0: Yeah, so super important to 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 understand when is the right timing to to do acquisitions and uh, and also to ensure that um, the company will will be a, a good fit uh, and the team will be a good fit with um, with our own uh, company. So time is flying. Let's go to the last segment of the show, uh, Craig. We will not be able to get through all the six questions, but uh, let's go through the most important one. So if you would have uh, the opportunity to have a coffee with yourself at the beginning of Audi Bob, uh, what advice would you offer to your younger Craig? uh i think it's kind of kind of cliched and and a lot of people give it
1: but it's it's don't be so don't be so worried don't be so concerned about you know what others think about you i think like uh you know a lot of you get a lot of imposter syndrome as a young founder trying to figure it trying to figure it out um so i think you know no one's gonna no one's gonna trample on you for trying so i think just kind
0: of don't don't worry about what other people think things so much that is definitely uh, great advice. So when I started Skill Up Valley, I was uh, 24, or 25. And uh, my purpose was to uh, coach CEOs. And at the time, everyone would tell me that I was crazy. So later today, we, we are 10 years old. So so it worked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's a great exactly. advice to to close the show with. And Break. yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, even if it doesn't work, it's still, it's still, uh, it's a lot of uh, experience. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Craig, thanks so much for Uh, making the time. It was really a pleasure to have you on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And to our community, thanks for being there. We keep bringing you the best of the best to make your life easier as you scale up your company. See you soon and keep scaling.